Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for December 12th is Acts chapters 20 through 23. Have you ever wondered why Christian churches meet on Sunday, the first day of the week? Well, at least some of them would point you to this verse, Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. And Paul goes on and starts speaking and continues until midnight. That's a really long church service, especially if you start at 10 or 11 a.m. But it's most likely that they did not. The Jewish tradition was for the day to begin at dusk. There was evening, there was morning the first day. We in Western society have it somewhat backward. We start our day in the morning. Not that one is right and the other is wrong, but it is likely that on the first day of the week was what we would call Saturday night. And Paul spoke, maybe dusk began at 6 or 7 p.m., and he spoke until midnight, which is still a really long time. And it's no wonder that Eutychus was so tired that he fell asleep and tumbled to his death right out of the third-story window. Fortunately for him, his name means good fortune. Eutychus, meaning well-fated or even plainly good fortune, was revived by Paul, who rushed down the flights of stairs outside, scooped Eutychus up, embracing him and telling the people around not to be alarmed, but that he is alive. After going upstairs, breaking bread, and eating, Paul talked a long time again, this time until dawn. Seems like a 12-hour service with a resurrection-slash-healing mixed in in the beginning, and a couple of meals. It is worth noting that three different times it says Paul talked, or spoke, or discussed, and there are two different Greek words used. One is where we get the word dialogue from which refers to a back-and-forth conversation, not a monologue, it's a dialogue, where two or more are sharing. The third time where it says Paul spoke or talked is in verse 9, and it's a different Greek word, but it also has a similar meaning of conversation, of back-and-forth. It's the Greek word homileo, which is translated to consort with, or even to commune with, and most often it's translated to converse with. So just as we spoke about yesterday, how the believers were intended to instruct one another, here we see it in action as Paul is speaking not to, but with the believers, and there's a back-and-forth conversation taking place. From there in Ephesus, Paul continues his missionary journey and goes around to different cities, and in verse 22, he says, Now on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are awaiting me. Now, why would the Holy Spirit warn Paul that chains and afflictions, or tribulations, were waiting for him in these different places? especially on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to Rome, 
and yet he still felt compelled to go there. Some would say that the fact Paul was receiving these prophetic warnings shows that he was not supposed to go there, that he should have gone another way. He should have listened to the warnings of the Lord, and perhaps his life would have been spared. Others would say, no, the Holy Spirit was merely preparing him for what was to come. He was supposed to go. He was supposed to give his life ultimately for the gospel. And the Holy Spirit was warning him that this was going to happen so he wouldn't be surprised when it did take place. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Did Paul have to give his life for the gospel? Or should he, should he have listened to the warnings of the Holy Spirit? How can you apply this in your own life? Is there something that you feel like God is warning you of? Does it mean it absolutely will happen? Or is there an alternate plan that you can employ to avoid what you fear? In verse 29, Paul gives a warning about savage wolves who will come into the flock and not spare it. Your translation might say grievous in the place of savage. And that word is very interesting. It has to do with being heavy, carrying a heavy load. And the picture here of these grievous or savage wolves who will not spare the flock is they burden the flock or the believers with that heaviness that they have. And that heaviness, like if you have a weighted blanket or a very heavy load that pushes you down, it keeps you from being able to function as you were intended to do. These savage or grievous wolves lay a heavy burden on people and keep them from functioning as they should within the body of believers. Verse 30, Paul warns his beloved believers, those who he has been ministering to, many of those he shared the gospel with, they were believers as a result of his own testimony. He warns them, some of you will even rise up and distort the truth and draw people away in order to create your own following. Therefore, be alert and remember that for three years I was here never stopping to warn you about these things. He even warned them with tears in his eyes and no doubt streaming down his face. If the very disciples of Paul, I mean, those people who met with Paul daily for years fell away, distorted the truth, and created followings for themselves, how much more susceptible are we who haven't been meeting with Paul or Jesus personally every single day in the physical, physically, face-to-face, for three years? How much more likely are we to fall away and draw others away? And that's why it's so incredibly important that we submit to one another. If we have people speaking into our lives, people who know us, people who love us enough to tell us the truth, they won't allow us to make these mistakes. They'll keep us on track so that we don't lead ourselves or other people astray. It's so important that we instruct one another that we submit to one another, and that we love one another enough 
to speak the truth in love so that we don't commit this foolishness, which quickly becomes apostasy when it's not corrected. In the next chapters, we see God's grace and protection over Paul as he submits to one trial after another, speaking before this leader or that, always giving a defense of the faith. He does go into a little bit greater detail of his testimony of how Jesus appeared to him on that Damascus road. And Jesus uses that terminology, Paul, it is difficult for you to kick against the goads. That's an expression that comes from farming. Goads are sharpened sticks that point back from the plow that the oxen are pulling so that when they kick back with their hind legs, they press or poke. So they they are poked by these goads and it causes pain. And the reminder is for the oxen, the association is that they are to do their job without kicking back, without trying to be unleashed, without trying to express their discontent and actually go and do harm to the one who is actually leading them from behind. Indeed, how hard it is to kick against the goads. That is what we do when we resist God's will. Imagine if Paul had not submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ on that day as he was arrested on his way to Damascus. Would he have spent the rest of his days blind? Being forced to beg even? What if he had become discontent when people began uprising against him and rioting and even stoning him for preaching his message? How much different would Christianity be today? Just as we were instructed not to grow weary in doing good, let's not grow weary as we carry forth the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us submit to him fully, glorify his precious name by striving to become more like him and sharing his glorious truth with everyone we meet. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And if you are feeling as though your time here is short and you need to accelerate or maximize reaching the destinations that God has placed in your heart and you need a little help getting there, I would be honored to assist you through professional, executive, relational, and even spiritual coaching. I will help you. Find the path that God has laid out for you. This is not going to be a book study or a Bible study. It will be a personally tailored conversation or series of conversations to help you uncover the truth that's already locked away in your heart and help you find the energy to achieve your goals on your terms. For more information, go to thebibleinorder.com slash coaching.